Just Thinking with hosts Daryl Harrison and Virgil Walker, bringing you week-to-week cultural apologetics as well as social issues from a biblical worldview. This is Just Thinking. Let's think. We're back. It's another edition of the Just Thinking broadcast. I am Virgil Walker. And I am Daryl Harrison. What do you know, Omaha? What's going on out there in Nebraska? Man, a lot of snow, actually. Uh, we, we, uh, everybody was predicting kind of snowmageddon. Uh, but, but we, 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 and, and here in Omaha, we call that Tuesday. So it's not really, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's not really that big a deal, man. We just kind of, you know, two, four inches, we just kind of roll with it. 10 inches, we kind of roll with it. All of it for us simply depends upon when the time of the snowfall begins, because what, what the time determines is how, how much time before, you know, the morning rush hits. And how much time do road crews have to get out and, and clear roads? And so right. they in here in Omaha, Nebraska, they have an, an incredible system of, of road clearance and of, of getting getting things squared away. So if, if the if the if the snow starts at like eight or nine, you know, p.m. at night, man, you can you can rest assured we'll be fine in the morning. But if it starts at like two in the morning and dumps a lot, you know, it it, it takes us a little bit to recover from that. But uh, otherwise, we're good. No, man, it's, it's it, things are going well here, man. Enjoying uh, the aftermath of the Thanksgiving holiday and just uh, really reflecting on all things for which I'm thankful, man. And 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 this show and and you and our audience are definitely one of those for me. So, man, I'm I'm just I'm glad to be back, man. What about for you? Yeah, you, do you know what Snowmageddon would look like here in Atlanta? What would it look like? Snowmageddon here would look like. Matter of fact, it would begin. Snowmageddon would begin with the mention of the word snow. <laughs> you mentioned the word snow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody's bum rushing the grocery stores, yes. the gas stations. Yes. You know, we're stocking up on batteries, yes. flashlights, firewood. Yeah, I can. You know what? I can. I can attest to that because. Last year, when we came through for G3, mm-hmm. there was a warning of like a snow slash ice thing that was coming. Mm-hmm. And I remember mm-hmm. I remember the year prior to that, not last year, but the year before that, it was bumper to bumper traffic to getting to the convention center for G3. Yep. Now, this, now, this last year, when they had just announced that a snow was on the way, I remember because I was trying to get in on Wednesday night and James White had a... Uh, had had a, had a debate and he was trying to tell everybody at the debate, hey, this is not going to be a problem. That you know, roads are clear, man. It I it was a straight shot. There was no, there were there were no, the roads were clear. I could mm-hmm. easily get to where I needed to be at the mere mention of snow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the thing about it here, I don't think people really realize that in Atlanta it gets really cold. Mm-hmm. It can get really cold here. I'm I'm talking about like single digits with wind chills below mm-hmm. zero. It can get that cold here, and it, and though it doesn't snow very often here, mm-hmm. we actually get more ice than snow. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know because it rain it rains a lot here, yeah. even in winter, uh, it, it rains quite a bit. So uh, when it rains and then that temperature drops and that stuff freezes overnight. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's what causes us the most trouble. Uh, it does snow every few years, but it doesn't take much, man, to put us on alert. Right. I mean, like high alert, we're closing schools. 
Uh, we're shutting down places of employment, you know, people taking their laptops home so they can work remotely. Uh, you know, so Snowmageddon to us is as much a mindset right, right, <laughs> as, right. as it is <laughs> as it is actual weather reality. Right, right, right. Uh, so hope hopefully we'll be able to steer clear from that, Lord willing, uh, this winter. Uh, but yeah, I just I just thought it was interesting to compare. Yeah, there's a difference. Uh, yeah, there's a significant difference, man. There's a significant ten, ten inches of snow might shut this town down for a week and a half. Man, that, that that's that's a Tuesday afternoon for us, man. That's just, <laughs> we call that Tuesday in the wintertime here, man. It's all good. All right, man. Well, listen, man. I'm I'm excited to get with you tonight. I'm excited about our topic tonight, uh, man. I've been I've been doing just some 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 behind the scenes research and and kind of pulling some things together. I know you've got a lot of things on your plate. Uh, that, that you've got brewing, but man, one of the things that that really was interest to me, and I, and, and this is this is one of the rare rare, rare occasions when I kind of suggest a topic because uh, it's it's of interest to me. You know, there th- would be a time you'll slow down a little bit, and you know, you'll toss me one here or there. But man, I, I just I, I read your article uh, that you had posted uh, on the on just thinking dot me that's your blog for those who don't know in fact tell, tell folks i really want you to share a little bit about um kind of the, the the thought process behind the 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 show that we do and and kind of let them let folks who may be listening to us for the first time let them know a little bit about the blog yeah i appreciate that verse because we always try to keep our new listeners in mind we always want to never assume that most of our listeners who hear us each week our regular listeners. I'm sure that we get new listeners all the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're coming up on doing the podcast for one year yeah. and the podcast or the broadcast. Now, since we're on urban family talk as well, uh, we refer to it as a broadcast and not just a podcast, uh, but just thinking came about as an extension of a blog that I do that goes by the same name, mm-hmm. the blog you can get to at just thinking dot me. The extended title for the blog is just thinking for myself. Uh, so that's the long title for the blog. The tagline is that uh, we leverage the blog to discuss biblical, uh, political, social, and theological issues through a biblical worldview. Uh, so the broadcast, the podcast is an extension of that blog. And we do have opportunities every now and then to where the subject matter that you and I discuss uh, through this medium right. is directly related to something that I've written on the blog. Right. Uh, now, now that had that hadn't happened for a long right, time. We've right. Right. Really happened for a while. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now, now there there have been other blog articles that I've written. So what you and I do here, we're not so. Although this is an extension of the blog, we're not so married to the blog mm-hmm. because you know I write for the blog at my own pace. Mm-hmm. Uh, I write at a at my own frequency. I don't have a schedule. I don't have a predetermined order or or list of topics that I that I plan to address in advance. Um, it's just whatever the Lord burdens my heart with, I'll write on that. Uh, but what you and I are able to do here, we're able to either tackle subjects that I deal with on the blog or not. We can tackle topics that are sort of uh, uh, have nothing to do with anything that I've written on the blog. And and that's probably what I would say 95 percent right. of the content that we discuss through this medium. Uh, is not directly connected to anything that I've written on the blog. 
No. But, uh, you know, this is an extension of the blog. This is how this medium came to be uh, because of the blog. So the blog does predate this yep. uh, medium by several years. So when we're able to discuss something like we're going to do in this episode, uh, uh, that's directly uh, related to something that I've written, uh, it's always good to do. Because we, as you said, we don't get to do that very often. No, we don't. And so I, I, I thought when, when this latest article that you've, uh, posted uh, entitled "The Minds of Black Folk." Um, I, I thought this was this was worth taking a look at for a number of reasons. Um, one, uh, and so let, let me list just a few of them and and kind of kind of tee this up, get, put some context behind why I thought this article was timely in its nature, uh, and 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 we really need to uh, discuss this and and give it the lens that I believe your article gave it, which is a biblical worldview. Um, one, we just came out of midterm election mm-hmm. and there were, there were, you know, a number of, uh, of, of, uh, you know, elections that were contested and issues that were going on. I remember kind of following you through, um, you know, what was going on in Georgia where you were, uh, you know, I, I kind of followed what was going on here, uh, in, in Nebraska and just, you know, because, you know, all, a lot of this was, was local elections around who, who we were voting for with Congress, uh, congressmen and women, um, uh, as well as, uh, I mean, from, from, from a standpoint of the House of Representatives, as well as, uh, as, as the Senate. And so, of course, we had a lot of local issues around that mm-hmm. as well. And so uh, it was of interest to me. Midterm elections are always interesting. They're usually kind of a, a, an opportunity for the opposition party to kind of get back at the president, uh, whoever he, he, he may be. Um, and, and so it, it was interesting to watch the rhetoric, to watch the different uh, things play out from a from a, a worldview perspective, you know, mm-hmm. from. Uh, and so there were a number of issues at play. The thing that drew my attention, though, for, for you was where you were located in Georgia mm-hmm. and in particular, the issues around a lot of the uh, a, a lot of the, the candidates uh, that were that were up uh, pr- primarily. I, I know most probably already know what, what I'm going to say. The Democrat Stacey Abrams um, mm-hmm. and, and the uh, the the. Her her political leanings, her thought processes, her her ideological positions, uh, man, they began to really kind of churn up. I mean, there was another there was another election out in Florida that was of interest mm-hmm. as well um, mm-hmm. that I kind of kept my eye on. So those are kind of the two places where I, I kind of saw it politically as kind of ground zero mm-hmm. for you know, what was happening with, with, if you can call it black America, uh, mm-hmm. how, how, where would they go? What would they lean to? And what would that look like? Uh, but even, even fundamentally from a biblical worldview, how should we process what we see? Uh, mm-hmm. what should that look like? And so again, I, you know, you and I had not really discussed politics at that level. I mean, we talk every single week, man. And we really never, we were during, during, uh, during our time, uh, we were really talking about about theology, you know. We right. were kind of kind of dropped back and jumped into some some other other things, which I was very thankful for. But now that now that 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 season has kind of waned, everybody has landed where they landed. You come out with this blog that man is getting a lot of traction. And and before it even garnered the attention that it did, as I got a chance, because you kind of you kind of clued me in. Hey, getting ready to drop this or dropped it, you know, take a look at it, give me your thoughts, and so. I read it and I immediately thought, man, if we don't have a subject, we this this is what we need to talk about. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I want to give you just a moment because I know that there was there was uh, first before before we jump into the impetus of the article, I want to start with your assessment of 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 just the, the culture, the political culture, the political climate, where you were during the midterm elections. That's kind of where I want to start before we jump into the specifics of the article. What what were what were you we have not you and I have not at all had a chance to talk about midterm elections or anything like that. So I want to I, I want to stay in that in that space for just a minute as we as we chop that up. Yeah, you know, I appreciate the opportunity to do that, uh, Omaha. And I think you nailed it. Uh, I, you know, just listen to you there reminds me of something that I've always said. I've always said that politics is theology. Mm. Politics is theology because it's through um, studying people's uh, philosophy, their ideology with respect to where they stand on certain political positions, uh, social issues, fiscal issues, you actually get to develop and build a perspective of what their worldview is. Right. And well, then as you do that, you can filter, especially if you per, are a professing Christian, what you should do is filter that person's worldview that you have developed by virtue of studying what they've said, what they've written, uh, what they uh argue from the standpoint of what they support, what they do not support. As you build that worldview of that particular candidate, then you filter that worldview through what the gospel says. Absolutely. That's, that's what's supposed to happen, Mm -hmm. but that's, that's not what happens. Mm. That's not what happens. Not, not consistently anyway, if, uh, if at all, and I'm sure it does happen to a small degree. It doesn't happen to as large a degree as it should especially within the sphere of professing Christians who are either politically active or who vote uh, on a regular basis during major election cycles, like the one we just came out of. But from where I sat, I uh, was very familiar with Stacey Abrams being here in Atlanta. Georgia was a state that Democrats had uh, a bullseye on. Mm-hmm. Thinking that they could, they had good uh, odds of turning the state blue from red. Uh, Georgia has been a uh, solidly red, a solidly Republican state uh, for decades. Uh, but you know, dynamics such as you know folks moving into the state from other areas, mm-hmm. uh, or, and, and bringing those more uh, progressive or liberal uh, uh, convictions and. Uh, philosophies and ideologies ideologies with them is uh turning the state less red and democrats even would argue that the state is purple now mm. and i think I, I to be honest with you i could not disagree with them based on the outcome of the gubernatorial election results which i'll uh, allude to in a second so there are dynamics there are variables in play here in georgia whereby the uh, the ideolo- ideology represented by Stacey Abrams was clearly up against the ideology that was represented by Brian Kemp. You had a liberal, and I would even say a socialist worldview that was being presented by Stacey Abrams, who was a black female Democrat, mid-40s. She's not from Georgia. She was not born here. Wow. Uh, versus uh, Brian Kemp, who's in his mid-50s conservative pro second amendment um staunchly conservative pro-life guy so you had from an ideological perspective two worldviews that could not be more antithetical to the other 
Wow. That was clear if you were paying attention here in Georgia to that particular race. Now, leading up to November 6th, leading up to Election Day, I was pretty much blitzing uh, commentary on my Facebook page. With I saw that. Page. I saw that. And, and I'm interested in your thought process around that. Um, I'm, I'm very, you know, with the, with the role that I have and the position I hold, I'm very cautious with what I do from a political standpoint. I don't know if that's always wise. Um, but at the same time, man, I'm curious as to what, what, as, as I watched you do that, I was, I was curious kind of what your thought process was, uh, around that. Yeah. Well, my thought process was this, if I could be very blunt, <clears throat> since this is my show, right. <laughs> you might as well come. Um, yeah. I might as well go ahead and, and put yeah. out, a t- I mean, I'm already in trouble for, right. for, not, not supporting her in the first place, so I might as well go ahead. You might as well go ahead. You might as well go on ahead. I have a low tolerance for liars. Mm. Okay, I just have a low tolerance for liars. Mm-hmm. And for me personally, if you're asking me where personally, what was my personal impetus for being so overtly critical mm-hmm. of Stacey Abrams and her? Uh, positions on some of the issues that I've already mentioned is because she was following as was uh, Andrew Gillum in Florida. These two black Democrat liberals were following what I call the, the Obama political model. Right. And here's what I mean by that is that aesthetically they present themselves in the media, in their political ads, their commercials, and every candidate does this. Every candidate does this. But what irked me about Stacey Abrams is that I knew that she was targeting a particular demographic, primarily black voters, and she knew that in doing that, that her ethnicity, her sex being a female, would draw the support of the majority of folks who fit that particular demographic Mm. without regard to, without regard to the positions that she has Mm. taken on those issues. Mm. Stacey Abrams is pro-abortion. She's not going to tell you that any of her ads. She is pro sanctuary city. She is pro allowing illegals to vote. Mm. She is pro restricting your second, second amendment rights. Mm. I could go on and on and on. Right. And when I say I have a low tolerance for liars, when it comes to any politician, not just in this case of Stacey Abrams, right? Their sins of, commission and then there's sins of omission Mm -hmm. and the same thing that made me so righteously indignant about Stacey Abrams is exactly the same thing that made me righteously indignant about Barack Obama Mm. it wasn't what he was saying it was what he was not telling you wow it's what he was not telling you about himself Mm -hmm. so couple weeks leading up to November 6th, I just felt compelled to bring out the truth. 
about what Stacey Abrams' positions were mm. on some of these issues. I felt compelled to bring out the truth about what she was not telling, especially black voters, what she was not saying to them. Mm. You see? So I had, I don't know, probably at least one or two comments a day that I was posting for the two weeks leading up to the elections in on, on November the 6th. Mm-hmm. And I like to, I like to think that I had something to do with the ultimate outcome <laughs> of that. Now I can't right. prove empirically. I can't right. say that. Right. But we're going to delve into this a little deeper in a second. But yeah. yeah, so I was I was motivated by the truth. Gotcha. I was motivated by wanting the truth to get out. Mm. And I was motivated by seeing straight through this woman, just as I saw straight through Barack Obama and try to warn people about what they were getting with him, especially black voters, warn them about what they were getting with him. I had the same inspiration to do to do likewise with regard to Stacey Abrams and warn, especially black voters. And the reason I keep saying that is because she knew she was playing the she was playing the race card and she was playing the gender card. Right. It's 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 interesting. It's interesting that that oftentimes when you run into these candidates who operate from the basis of of race and or gender or some level or layer of intersectionality it, it they they do so with an appeal to emotion they'll say well i'll be the first black this yeah. that or the other yeah. or i'll be the first this that or or another and and the and the and the indication seems to be a vote for me is a vote in favor of history uh, rather than vote for me because I'm I stand on this this and this issue that that I'll fight for mm-hmm. on your behalf right and so they, they they leverage they have a tendency those who operate from this from from the from the ideological position of intersectionality they their their appeal is to emotion rather to rather than to rational argumentation about the issues do you find that that to be the case. That's exactly the case. That's exactly. Matter of fact, it was the case again back in 2008 with uh, Barack Obama. It was the exact same thing. And I had many, many black people tell me personally because I spoke to hundreds of black people in 08. And then again in 2012, when Mm -hmm. Barack Obama ran and won re-election, I spoke to hundreds of black voters. And what they told me personally to my face that a primary reason why they were they intended to vote for Barack Obama was to make history. Absolutely. Was Absolutely. to make history. But see, here's the thing about history. You could talk about making history, but you should never talk about making history without first considering what kind of history you're making. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. You have to consider what kind of what kind of history am I making here? You see, so yes, with regard to Stacey Abrams, sure, she would have been the first black governor, period. She would have been, obviously, having been elected the first black governor, she would have also been the first black female governor of Georgia. But you know what she also would have been? She would have been the first black female governor to raise your taxes. She would have been the first black female governor to allow open borders in the state, allow illegal immigrants to vote, 
allow illegal immigrants to work? And do you know what demographic does that kind of policy damage the most? It does the most damage to black Americans, to black Georgians, the very people whom Stacey Abrams felt were already in her black back pocket. I should say black pocket. Actually, that's probably a better uh, term to use uh, given the, the, the target audience that she was focusing on during this election cycle. Black pocket is not a bad word to use, but her policies would have been most detrimental to the very people who support her the most. Man, I absolutely agree. We've got to begin thinking about the kind of history that we're making as a part of the process, man. Any, Any additional thoughts on that? Yeah, just one more thing. If you can look at not just Georgia, but you can just look at the broader landscape across America, the broader political landscape, and our electoral, shall we say, vibe, if you will, is such that, All you need to do now is be the first of something. Mm -hmm. Be the first this, be the first that. That's pretty much all you need to market yourself as. If you you vote for me, I'll be the first this. I'll be the first that. What, What you actually believe is mattering less and less and less to people who go to the to the polls. This is we are becoming a very emotive a very aesthetic electorate. Mm. It's all about how you make me feel and how I think you look. It's how right. you look and how you make me feel. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's becoming less and less a matter of what do you believe? Mm. What do you believe? I don't want to know what you think about something. I want to know what you believe about something because what's going to happen, Verge, is that when that person gets to, into office, they're not going to vote. They're not going to support support legislation based on. They're not going to vote for legislation based on what they told you, as it relates to how they think about something. They're right. going to vote for legislation or against legislation based on what they believe. Absolutely. And it's it's it's, it's incumbent upon us, especially as Christians, to find out and to challenge these candidates about what. They believe. Absolutely. Absolutely. And 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 what that requires, what that requires is for us to be thinking, right? Like like the blog says, man, we need to be just thinking for ourselves. We we've got to get out of, we've talked about it a number of times on on this broadcast, you know, the tribalism that affects, you know, the 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 uh the the, the black the quote unquote black community, right? The, the the ideological tribalism that we all need to kind of align. And if anybody finds themselves off of the line of thinking that has been kind of kind of spoon fed to us, uh we we're called the sellouts. We're called the jigaboos. Right. We're called the, you know, put put in put in the the uh the the, the, the pejorative that that someone the coo- wants the to coo- Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uncle Tom's. Absolutely. Absolutely. So which is why and I want to switch. I want to pivot to the article that you wrote, because I I feel like, man, it struck a nerve. I I think the title alone was thought provoking uh, the minds of black folk. And and I want you to talk a little bit about the catalyst that caused you to sit down and, and, and write this. Yeah. So the catalyst was actually an article that I read a couple days ago a couple of days before I posted the blog article that I read in the Washington post. It was an article written by Vanessa Williams, who's a black woman. 
And the link to the article and to Vanessa Williams' bio is included in the uh, in the blog post. So if you read it, you'll see uh, links to get to that information. Mm-hmm. But that was kind of uh, the spark that that lit something within me uh, to to sort of write a response mm-hmm. to Miss Williams and to the Washington Post to her article, which she titled, "Quote: What's up?" with all those black men who voted for the Republican in the Georgia governor's race. Unquote. Right. Right. What's up with all those black men who voted for the Republican in the Georgia governor's race. So that was the title of Vanessa Williams article in the Washington post. And when I read that, I mean, I didn't even have to read the article in its entirety, to be honest with you. Right. Because once I read the headline, right. You know where it's coming from. I, it's, you know, the direction that that article went in was intrinsic with the headline. Mm-hmm. So, and when you are as familiar with, shall we say, black liberal politics as you and I are, mm-hmm. you already knew from reading the headline what slant that article was going to take. Right. But I did read the article. I did go ahead and read it. And I just felt really compelled to write a response to that article uh, to, um, shall we say, uh, address. Mm-hmm the stereotypical racism that was inherent with that article. Mm-hmm. And again, the article's byline is a black woman. Mm-hmm. So the, the reason I titled the article, the blog article, the minds of black folk, that's actually a play on the title of a uh, book that was published in the early 1900s in 1903 by W.E.B. Du Bois. Right. Uh, I know I say Du Bois. I know some people say Du Bois. Du Bois. Right, 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 right. Uh, but uh, you, you, ed- yeah. you educated. You, you, you educated. Yeah, I, I, so I'm, you, you Du Bois. So I say Du Bois. I speak French. <laughs> I, I speak French, man. So I say Du Bois. Right, right, right. So 1903, uh, uh, W.E.B. Du Bois was a sociologist, civil rights activist, and he was other things as well. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and he published the book, The Souls of Black Folk. Right. Uh, so in in his book, The Souls of Black Folk, he basically uh, composes a series of essays to uh, address the state of America at that time as it relates to uh, societal uh, attitudes and biases against black Americans. And he uses, Du Bois uses his own personal experience to mm-hmm. relate or convey what those issues are. So his book was entitled The Souls of Black Folk. Well, the reason I titled my blog article The Minds of Black Folks is because is, is in response to Vanessa Williams's article in the Washington Post where she dared to almost uh, in, in a sarcastic kind of way ask, what's up with all those black men who voted rep- for the Republican in the Georgia's uh, 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 governor's race. Right. So I make a case in the blog article why Vanessa Williams' uh, article in the Washington Post was racist, mm-hmm. was inherently racist, and even sexist to a great degree. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so that's my response to her article uh, to kind of right. set something straight with respect to why we have got to come to a point within the quote unquote black community itself mm-hmm. 
to where black people are allowed to vote however right. they want. Right, right. In in her in her article, right, is the presupposition that there's no way in the world if you're if you're a black man that you could even have a thought to to vote outside of the the identity politics associated with right now the Democratic Party. Right. I mean that, yeah. that was that that was that was the inherent presupposition of the of the article, right? And that inherent presupposition, number one, that's correct. Mm-hmm. And that inherent presupposition is itself racist. Racist. Right. Right. And 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 we 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 the, here's the thing we have been fed we meaning many many you know black americans have been fed this this you want to talk about systematic racism we've been fed systematic racism to such a degree that we we all kind of snicker at the idea uh if someone if if someone in in the quote unquote black community you know, let me let me put it let me put it in real terms. I go to the barbershop. I go to a predominantly black barbershop. Right. I oh, take gosh, my voice man. down. Yeah, right. Right. Here we go. Here we go. If I if if I roll into the black barbershop with, with a with a MAGA hat on, right? I already know before I even walk into the door that I'm gonna get hit with a problem. I mean, yep. it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a problem. Because yep. there's there's no way in the world that 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 a black man should be wearing a MAGA hat. We've been fed systematic racism to such a degree that they, we, we, we believe that all of us from a voting standpoint, from an ideological standpoint, have to fall in line with this one political party and this one ideological framework. Or else at the, at we do, if, if we step outside of that boundary, we do so at the risk and, and more times than not of, of violence, right? I mean, am, right. am I overstating that? Not overstating at all. It's, it's as I listen to you, I'm reminded of the uh, the analogy of boiling the frog, mm-hmm. right? How do you mm-hmm. boil a frog? Well, you put a frog in a pot full of water, but you mm-hmm. turn the heat up ever so slowly, ever so gradually, to where the frog doesn't even realize. Mm-hmm. Once the frog realizes that the water has boiled to a temperature that it kills it, mm-hmm. it's too late. It's too late. And see, this is this is exactly what's happening within, and, and as and I, let me just pause right here as an aside and say when i mention the term black community to our listeners always do the air quotes thing okay yeah, right right, we, right. We're, bo- we're both we're both doing it yeah we're both doing it we're both doing so, it <laughs> but, but the whole boil, boiling frog analogy applies to the black community as it relates to politics because what we don't understand given the example that you just gave when you walk into a black barbershop and the, the same was the case with me i mean it's it's Ideologically speaking, you can't even engage in a conversation, Mm-mm. let alone walk in there with a MAGA hat on. No, uh-uh. you can't even engage in a political conversation in a black barbershop having a conservative uh, perspective, either socially or fiscally or both. You yeah. can't even engage because I don't care how many barbers or customers in there, whatever the ratio is, you're going to be the one. Yeah, it's going to be whatever number is to one. One, you will right. be the only one in that barbershop holding to that worldview and right. you will be the only one in that barbershop who's wrong. Right. Who's right. wrong. So right. even within, even within the black community, we practice, we don't call it this, but we practice uh, ideological racism yep. 
because we dare not allow even those who look like us to think independently of us. Right. Right. That that's yep. that's that, that's absolutely the point that I wanted to, that I wanted to amplify, because I think I think you you spent time in your article really breaking this down. So I want to I want to break it. I want to look at some specifics in two ways. One, what what is what is uh, Vanessa Williams lamenting? What what she's lamenting is the fact that Abrams lost and that she lost based upon the fact that 11 percent of black men uh, voted for uh, the white uh, candidate, the white Republican candidate over uh, the over Stacey Abrams, a, a, a double digit uh, uh, showing. I mean, that, that and that's pretty huge considering in, in mm-hmm. previous elections, like 90, 98 point, you know, nine percent mm-hmm. of black folks mm-hmm. uh, have, have voted previously uh, Democratic. So to see mm-hmm. to see an 11 percent. I mean, we, we, we're talking we're talking small numbers. But 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 they make they make up a big, big difference. And, and the reason for that, is, as I've done some research, is I'm recognizing that that if Demo- if Democrats lose 12 to 13 percent in some spaces, in some places, it's just double digits. If, if they lose anywhere from 10 to 12 to 13 percent of the black vote uh, in in, uh, in in a predominant number of of races and spaces, they actually lose. And, and the higher up you go. Uh, in in political office, whether it's a whether it's a house a house representative, whether it's a, uh, a a senator, and definitely in the spaces where we're talking about vo- voting for president, that that's a major turn of events for for candidates who are who are on the Democratic side. So so they're lamenting eleven percent, which seems small, but the reality is they recognize that in order to win, they need ninety eight percent of the f- black folks to stay on their political ideological plantation in order to make things work. And see this is why what you just said, Omaha, is so important. Because you can look at a number, you can look at that eleven numerically and say, oh that's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. But in the historical context, as you just laid it out, in the historical context where in major election cycles, Democrats can pretty much bank on getting 96 to 98 percent of mm-hmm. black voter support, historically speaking, mm-hmm. that 11 percent is like a tsunami. It is. OK, so you have to look at the number, not numerically as if on an island somewhere in a vacuum, you have to look at it up against the context of what has historically been the case, you see. And the angle that I want to approach our conversation in this episode, because this is what we do on the Just Thinking broadcast. We open the word of God Mm -hmm. and we apply the scripture to the topic that we're talking about. And there is, I believe, a biblical apologetic against People like Vanessa Williams, who would dare to continue to propagate the stereotype that all black people not only vote alike in practice, but that they should continue that trend of committing almost 100% allegiance Mm -hmm. to one political party. I mean, to me, just the very idea itself is absurd. Right on its face. So the angle from which I want to approach this theologically, Omaha, is from Genesis 1.27. This is where Come I'm going to start. And this is where we have, in Genesis 1.27, we have the declaration that 
God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now, Genesis 127 gives us the biblical concept of what we call the Imago Dei. That's Latin for in the image of God. Now, every person, every person over the course, and and I'm going to connect this, uh, Omaha, to something you said earlier. You said what this is really about is people thinking. Mm -hmm. This is really what this is about. So this is where I'm going now. I'm going to try to connect back to what you said there. But the point I want to make right now is that every person over the course of human history who has ever been conceived has been created in the image of God. Mm. Every person mm-hmm. in conception at conception, you bear God's image. Now, this is a universal truth. By that, what I mean is that it applies to every human being without exception. Mm-hmm. Every human being ever created has been an image bearer of God. Now, nevertheless, the question must be asked, what does it mean that we are created in the image of God? What does the Imago Dei mean? What does mm-hmm. the concept mean? Mm-hmm. Now, to answer that question, I want to quote from your boy and mine, Matthew Henry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know we said on a, one of our really earlier episodes how mm-hmm. you and I are really huge fans of Matthew Henry's commentary. Right. So I want to quote from Henry's commentary on Genesis 127 and sort of, you know, sort of peeling back the layer. What does it mean with regard to each of us bearing the image of God and connecting that back to Genesis 127? Henry writes this. He says that human beings were made in God's image and his likeness, two words that express the same thing and make each other the more expressive Image and likeness denote the most alike image. Still, between God and human beings, there is an infinite distance. Only Christ is the express image of God's person. We see that in Colossians 1.15, where it reads, He, that is Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Henry continues, Only Christ is the express image of God's person as the son of his father, having the same nature. Now, let me pause there. We know from the Nicene Creed that the Nicene Creed settled this issue of Christ's homoousios. That that is, that his nature is the same substance as that of the father. So in the Nicene Creed, let me just quote that real quick. In the Nicene Creed, it reads, We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is, seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made of one being with the Father. Okay? So as Henry writes that Christ is the express image of God's person as the son of his father, having the same nature, the Greek word for that is homoousios, which I felt uh, important to quote that from the Nicene Creed to give some substance to what Henry is saying here. So Henry continues, commenting on Genesis 127. It is only some of God's honor that is put upon human beings. 
who are God's image only as the shadow in a mirror or the monarch's imprint on a coin. But it is the great soul of human beings that especially bears God's image, the soul of human beings considered in its three noble faculties, understanding, will, and active power. is perhaps the brightest, clearer mirror, the brightest, clearest mirror in nature in which we can see God. So again, to close out Henry's commentary here on Genesis 127, he says that the soul of human beings, considered in its three noble faculties, those three are understanding, will, and active power is perhaps perhaps the brightest, clearest mirror in nature in which we can see God. Now, Henry's commentary on the doctrine of the Imago Dei is one of the most helpful you will find anywhere. But what I want to focus on is what he said at the end of the quote that I just read. Henry mentioned what he refers to as the three noble faculties we as human beings possess as image bearers of God. Understanding, will, and active power, okay? All of these three things are referred to in theology as communicable attributes of God, Mm -hmm. which is to say that in creating human beings in his image, there are certain attributes, certain characteristics, certain traits, if you will, that are innate to both God and human beings. For example, Mm -hmm. as Matthew Henry points out, understanding, will, and active power are examples of God's communicable attributes. Just as God possesses understanding, will, and active power, which we see most vividly, for example, in the creation account in Genesis 1 and 2, we also possess those same attributes. Now, not to the same degree as God, of course. Mm -hmm. For unlike us, right, God is omnipotent in his active power. Right. He is omniscient in his knowledge and understanding, and he is perfect in the exercise of his will. Nevertheless, human beings, as Henry stated, do possess, though finitely, Mm -hmm. the communicable attributes of understanding, will, and active power. Now, this is all germane to the topic we've been discussing on this episode of the Mm -hmm. Just Thinking Broadcast. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. As we all know, right, the midterm elections were held across America on Tuesday, November 6th, that we talked about. And we talked about how there were congressional and statewide elections at stake. Okay. Now, at this point, many of our listeners may be asking themselves, well, what in the world does the Imago Day in Genesis 127 have to do with the price of satellite TV where I live? <laughs> right. Okay. So, so what does this have to do with anything? Well, I'll tell you what, what it has to do. With regard to politics, and this goes to the point you were making earlier, Verge, with regard to politics, as humans who are created in the image of God, it behooves each of us as God's image bearers to employ the three notable faculties we discussed earlier in citing Matthew's Henry's commentary. That is, it behooves us to employ our understanding, our will, and our active power. Mm, that's good. See, this goes back to your point earlier, Verge, about thinking. Yeah, absolutely. You see, the the reason those three faculties are relevant to the conversation we're having in this episode is when it comes to politics and politicians, there are many today who believe black voters especially should disregard those faculties altogether. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Now, I, I say that with regard to the blog article I wrote, right? Mm-hmm. And my response to that Washington Post article where Vanessa Williams asked the question, well, what's up with all those black men who voted for the Republican in the Georgia governor's race? Right, right, right. So, so, so it's, it's as if, uh, you know, Williams, especially how she framed that question, uh, it's as if she she's she's saying, uh, you, wait, you guys didn't you guys didn't follow the tribalist uh, script, right? Right. In this right. Case. Right. You 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 weren't. It wasn't. It wasn't that you were to look at yourselves as image bearers of God, and, and able to express your thought, uh, you, uh, process things logically. The only thing that should have been a motivation or, or impetus for your voting was level of melanin in your skin and the emotion that you felt about another yeah. person who had melanin in their skin. Yeah. 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 I want to make history by voting for a woman because she looks like me. Mm-hmm. You see now, notwithstanding, notwithstanding the specific reasons why 11% of black men voted for Brian Kemp, which I see as a secondary issue to what the real issue is. Notwithstanding why those 11% voted for Brian Kemp. Mm-hmm. The real issue I have with Vanessa Williams and her, her her article in the Washington Post is this: is is why question why question it at all? Why raise the question of what is the deal with right. those eleven percent of black men who voted for the Republican? I mean, what were those eleven percent of black men supposed to do right. when they walked into the voting booth on November sixth? Right. Right. Oh, oh, right. oh, wait, 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 wait! I know what they were supposed to do. I know what they were supposed to do. They were supposed to automatically transform from image bearers of God who possess the God-given faculties of understanding, will, and active power, mm-hmm. and instead mindlessly vote for the black woman simply because she looks like them. In other words, become slaves once again. Become slaves. Become slaves once again. Mm-hmm. And I point this out in the blog article that the issue black voters are facing today is not physical slavery, a physical bondage. Mm-hmm. It's ideological bondage. Mm-hmm. And their overseers and masters aren't white people. They're Mm-mm. people who look just like them. <laughs> and Vanessa Williams is one of them. She's one of them. They're you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna get in trouble for that one. Man, trouble is my middle name, bro. I mean, what you <laughs> trouble? What's that? Get in line, man. I mean, you know. What I mean? That's exactly what those brothers, those eleven percent of those black men, were supposed to do. They were supposed to step in that voting booth. Right. Right. Switch off their God-given faculties that Henry talks about being understanding will and active power. Right. And just become robotic. Right. Become slaves. Become slaves. Yes. That's exactly what they were supposed to do. Yep. And this is what upset Miss Williams to the extent that she had to write that article. And and then and then here's here's my beef with it, Daryl. Then, then they they leverage language, and and we're we're the house Negroes, right, right. We're the yeah, we're the step and fetch it's, right. Isn't that amazing? Right. I mean, yeah. they they're they're the ones calling people to maintain the 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 ideological plantation, and for all of us to stay on it, and 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 we're the ones who sold out our people. Yeah, we're always the ones. We're always the we're always the traitors to our race, quote unquote, right? But it's like in the blog article though that I wrote, I have some questions for Miss Williams. Mm. You see, I have some questions mm-hmm. for her. Several, as a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. Number one is 
Why didn't she title her argue article? What's up with all those black women who voted for the Democrat in the Georgia governor's race? Mm. 97%, 97%, according to the article she wrote, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 97% of black females supported Stacey Abrams in the governor's race. Mm. Why was that okay with her that Stacey Abrams held such a, mon- a majority of that particular demographic mm-hmm. as opposed to the article she wrote calling out the relatively minuscule 11% who voted for Brian Kemp. Mm-hmm. So why didn't she t- title her argue article, you know, calling out the 97, the nearly 100% <laughs> right, right. of black females who voted for Abrams? Right. I mean, after all, is it not, I say this in the blog article, is it not the least bit concerning to Williams that one political party holds a near monopoly on the voting strength of an entire ethnic demographic. Mm-hmm. What, what level of betrayal did these black men commit by supporting Brian Kemp as opposed to Stacey Abrams? Right. Right. Was, was there some inherent allegiance owed to Abrams by them simply because their melanin content is similar to her? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, why, why were they choosing to vote Republican draw as Williams writes in her article, quote, gasps, and rebuke on social media news commentary, unquote. Right. Why is it that black people, unlike any other ethnic voting block in America, hold one another? This is, this is the slavery you're talking about, Bird. Mm-hmm. Why is it that black people, unlike any other ethnic voting block in America, hold one another to a collectivist ethos regarding politics while treating other aspects of their existence in this nation as self-determining and autonomous? And that you interesting? You it, it, that's interesting, isn't it? You can go yeah. out as a black person within the black community and you can subscribe to any religion you want. Any religion you want. Or none at all. Or none at all. Or none at all. You can enter into any vocational field that you choose. Any. It doesn't matter. Or none at all. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to politics, oh no. No. I need to get out my whip and bring you back in line. Right. With what it's it's kind of like your it's kind of like your your parents uh would you, would chastise you or punish you discipline you when you disobeyed. It's like didn't I tell you not to vote Republican ever? <laughs> Don't you know you are a black man? Right. You know you get that cadence going. You get that right, you get right, that right, cadence right, going, right, Vern? Right, right. right. So, so so they apply the cadence to right. the black voters to keep them in line. Yeah, yeah. It's it's the new slavery. It's the new plantation. It is. It is. It's been interesting to witness, man, over the course of the last, uh, you know, few years to see how that's beginning to unravel. So, man, here's the here's the question that I have for you, um, and that is just briefly because we we we're seeing what's happening. Uh, in the culture, we're watching what's taking place in the black community, and, and we we joke about it. But but I, I I really do believe that, and we've talked about this in the past on on one of our previous episodes, uh, the, the the Kanye West factor, right? The the black the Blexit that's happening, black exit mm-hmm. that's happening from the Democratic Party. Uh, you, you're witnessing the rise of of, of people like Candace. Owens, who who's just a, a you know fierce uh, advocate of of conservative ideas and thought, um, you're seeing this beginning to take place and, and beginning to, and before anyone gets the idea, because for me, this is less of an idea about 
uh, Republicanism or being exactly exactly anything like that. I know you feel exactly the same way. For 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 me, this is this is more about issues around worldview and 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 to the point you made earlier, um, man. Your your theology will will impact your politics. Uh, what what you, what you should you you what you believe about God? What you believe about your your anthropology? What you believe about 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 Christ? Your Christology? All of these things should inform and impact how you vote. They they really right. should. They really should. Right. And so with, with that in mind, man, I, I want to ask you kind of a twofold question and get your feedback on and, and, and we'll we'll uh we'll see where things go from there. First is what what why you think what is happening is happening. And the second part of that is what should those who uh what should what should a what should a guy like Kemp be doing? Uh, about this issue, what should you know? What, he he came out of this with eleven percent of a vote, um, you know, in his favor. Maybe a, maybe a percentage of the vote of from black men he didn't expect. Um, you know, what 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 should those kind of guys do? A, what do you what do you, why do you think this is happening? Why is this rise happening? And then two, what should what should these these men who are men and women who are uh, the beneficiaries of you know of this movement begin to begin to do as a result? Yeah, to answer that first question, I think, first of all, I think the uh, prevalence of social media has a lot to do with that. Uh I think it's having a lot to do with the degree to which black voters are starting to, number one, listen to uh, conservative voices. Mm -hmm. And secondarily to that or subsequent to that, they are uh, adopting conservative ideals. Now, that's not to say that black conservatism as a philosophy is new. Because no, it's not. No, it's not. It's this not. is not. This is not new. This is not an mm-hmm. anomaly here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Man, I've, I've been I've been reading reading and studying Thomas Sowell for years. Yeah, I'm, I, I know. I know you have too. You know the the Larry Elders of the world, the William, you know uh, uh, Williams uh, of of the world. I mean, we I've been reading their books, reading their comments, reading their commentary. Uh, I, I I once had a brief uh, kind of email, personal email interaction. With Thomas, uh, with Tom, with with, uh, with Thomas Sowell, and and I was just flabbergasted. I mean, I'd, I'd read a lot of his work, and and he immediately kind of shot back some some feedback at, off of a question. I, I and I was just shocked to even get a direct response to him. Again, all that to say, you know, this this isn't new. This isn't yeah, new. It, black it, black it, conservatism isn't new. It's not new at all. I mean, if you want to really trace black conservatism as a formal ideology or philosophy i mean you can go all the way back to reconstruction oh yeah uh, absolutely when, when 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 every black person who ran for political office uh was a republican all the first congressmen that who were black were republican mm-hmm. uh and you know you mentioned uh names like thomas Sowell, mm-hmm. walter williams walter williams yep. um you know i would highly recommend walter williams's book race and economics mm. the subtitle is how much can be blamed on discrimination mm-hmm. it is a must read again mm-hmm. that's race and economics we'll, we'll link to the book in the epi- episode notes uh mm-hmm. when we publish this uh this episode later in the week but but yeah i think the prevalence of social media has a lot to do with i think there's a uh, a generation of young uh black americans out there who are uh becoming uh politically astute they are watching what's going on. They're concerned about how high their taxes are. They're concerned about uh, the economy. 
They're concerned about creating jobs. Uh, they're concerned about uh, the uh, what, what appears to them to be uh, just the uh, unfettered uh, invasion of uh, non-citizens uh, mm. to this country and to uh, states like uh, Georgia. And then again, where you, where you are uh, in Nebraska and the impacts uh, those uh, uh, those factors are having on maintaining a stable society with respect mm-hmm. to the law mm-hmm. uh, has nothing to do with xenophobia. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think about what the word of God says, that God is not a God of confusion. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, God by nature is a God of who, who establishes boundaries by which we are to live, uh, establishes laws that are to, our mutual benefit as a mm-hmm. society to obey. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think these are issues that are be are are becoming of concern or of greater concern to a younger generation of black voters out there. And when you look at someone like Abrams, if I can just tie this back to her just for a second, Abrams again, we talked about earlier the history that she would have made. Uh, as had she won, she would have become the first black female, first gov- black governor, period. Mm-hmm. And then to build on that, the first black female governor of any state uh, in the union. But here's what Adam Abrams uh, believed uh, positionally. You know, she fully subscribed to the Democratic Party platform from top to bottom. I mean, from top to bottom. She mm-hmm. was a staunch supporter of sanctuary cities to the extent that she favored allowing illegal immigrants to vote, not just to have residency uh, in this country. They didn't even have to become citizens in order to vote. Uh, She is staunchly pro-abortion. She supports restrictions to the second amendment and the right for citizens to bear arms. She supports fully the LGBTQ agenda. Mm -hmm. She is an opponent of school choice for parents she supports decriminalizing possession of small amounts of certain illegal t- substances. She supports raising taxes. Now, mm-hmm. those are just some of the positions, political positions that she took. Now, if you were to take the names of Abrams and Kemp away, just take them away. Mm-hmm. If you're a black voter, could you support that platform that I just right. enumerated? Could you right. support a candidate who adhere to that particular worldview? Yes or no? It pretty much comes down to that. But see, Abrams doesn't want you, she didn't want you to scrutinize those positions. All she wanted a uh, black photos, especially to focus on was the fact that I would be the first, I can, you guys can help me make history mm. by electing me to office. It's mm-hmm. the same thing with Obama. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's make history guys. Let's, let's make histories. It's about time. A black person was elected president. And she was basically repeating that same mantra. It's about time a black person was elected governor. Yeah, but do you know what that black person believes? Uh-huh. You see, and I think, again, to answer your first question, I think black voters is, is, is starting to uh, take seriously. Not just what you say to me. I want to know what you believe. Right. What do you believe? You see. Right. Now, <clears throat> secondary, to answer your second second question, what mm-hmm. can Brian Kemp, what can governor-elect Brian Kemp do right, right. to build on that 11%? Right. Now, when I say build on that 11%, I'm not just speaking numerically. So, for instance, when he runs for re-election in four years, 
I don't say that in the sense, well, let's see if he can get 15%. No, you want to try to build on that as much as you can to increase that number, but it's the way you go about it that's key. What he has to do, because I'm a native Atlantan, I was born in the hood over near Morehouse College, the Atlanta University Center, the West End Mall. Mm-hmm. Those are those are the zip codes. Zip codes in the inner city of Atlanta, those are where area those are areas where Abrams and the Democrats are strongest. Mm-hmm. But that's where Kemp and his people need to go. Mm. From the moment he is sworn into office in January, him he personally and his staff and and I mean staff, not just staffs with staff members with black faces. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about everybody. You mm-hmm. need to start making regular visits to these zip codes, to these communities where Democrats like Abrams are strongest. Wow. And start chipping away at that stronghold with an argument and apologetic for why your conservative principles are better for black voters individually, first of all, and then better for them as families Mm. and neighborhoods and communities. This is why it's better that your taxes are lowered, not raised. Mm -hmm. You see, Mm -hmm. this is why it's better that we protect human life, not advocate for the murder of unborn black babies, uh, even so far as partial birth. Mm-hmm. This is this is why it's better to have an immigration policy that is fair to you, right? In terms of everyone obeying the law, right? See, they have to make ideological arguments to win people over. Ideologically, they must win hearts and minds, right. not just hearts. See, the Democrats will win your heart, right? But see, conservatives have to win. They want to win you by the mind. They want want to have you think, as you were saying earlier. Mm -hmm. So this is what Brian Kemp and his team needs to do. They need to have a recurring presence from the moment he's sworn in, in those inner city zip codes, in those zip codes where LGBTQ voters are strongest in Midtown Atlanta, areas like that. So so that that when, when, when 20... Uh, when when twenty twenty three comes around, uh, they're not strangers, right? To the to the people in those areas, right? Uh, so one, that, that's one what of the, they have to do going I, forward. I, I I don't disagree with you. One of the things that I think that has been previously difficult in seeing those kinds of things happen is that most politicians are into political speak, right? So so you can't you I mean you 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 know this as well as I do. We we've, we've been in enough predominantly black circles to know. You can't go in plastic. You can't you can't go in yeah. with the political face, with the with the whole, you know, half answering questions, yeah. circumventing questions, not getting to the real meat of the question. You have to you have to really one of the things that, that I've I've been watching and, and kind of prep for this and just some things that have been of interest to me. I, I watched uh Candace Owen. Yep. And uh, she 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 will go wherever there's an open space and she has no problem going into the heart of some very difficult and challenging areas. When someone asked her why they thought she was she had received uh, you know so much in the way of of, of, a, of a rise in uh, in attention, 
uh, when when like like you and I have discussed, there have been previous generations of, of black folks who, you know, who were conservative, who are conservative. She uh, she had mentioned the Condoleezza Rice's of the world that she, who she mm-hmm. admired. Uh, she she had mentioned, you know, Thomas Sowell. She had mentioned Walter Williams and others who she had she had had the opportunity to meet. And she said most of them are are intellectuals to such a degree that they'll write something. And, uh, and 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 they'll put it in a book and they'll argue, you know, they'll they'll make their argumentation. They'll do their apologetics, but they'll do it on a scholastic level. Mm-hmm. And what you've just advocated is so contrary to mo- what most politicians have been used to until Trump, until right. Trump, right. which is going into the most difficult area, most adverse area at, where people are are prone to be emotive and emotional and, and emotionally driven in their argumentation and hit them with the facts. And, and then and then, you know, do do what uh, what what Ben Shapiro says, which is facts don't care about your feelings, mm-hmm. being willing yeah. to being willing to say what needs to be said in an effort to show how those facts actually provide great benefit rather than the opposite. And and what one of the things I thought she articulated so well was the fact that every four years. Uh, those those who are in the democratic circles who who are, who adhere to leftist politics who adhere to intersectionality do is they they gin up emotions so all they do is is hey that's racist this is racist what what was done here is racist 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 so that they 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 work black folk up into a frenzy Mm-hmm. To the point where it's knee jerk. You say Republican, they think racist. That, that it, it's mm-hmm. it's a it's it's a word and term for racist. Yeah. Yep. Re- regardless of policy, it, it, the, the word Republican simply means racist, according to them. So they can't hear anything that's said. And I think what you're what you're saying is, and what Candace and others are doing, is they're saying, I don't I don't care what kind of vitriol I receive. I don't care yeah. what kind of you know, animist I, I, I get. I don't care who says whatever they say about me. I know what's true and, and I've studied the facts. And here's here at the end of the day are are the facts. And she would she would lay those out. And man, she was she wasn't she wasn't uh, attributing anything to some of the facts that she was stating. She was just stating them as fact. And she would get booed and hollered at and cackled and and called all kinds of names and you know, she just say, "Look, I'm just stating facts. What you do with them is your call, but mm-hmm. but these these are these are the facts." Mm-hmm. And I, so I think what you're advocating speaks well, and I, and, I, and I think it's it's wise. I just wonder if we're in a time uh, and in a and in a space where where politicians like like Kemp and others would be bold enough, brash enough. Uh, to get into uh, up until this point, uh, for the most part, the Republican Party and Republicans in general have have shied away from that out of absolute fear, you know, just absolute yeah. fear of, of the audience. And 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 like you, like me, who, you know, we, we live in those areas. I, you know, I, 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 I go to you know, we, we, we got to go to uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas. And, and when we get there, politics are going to come up and, and we will have a decision to make. Are we going to we going to address it or not? You know what I mean? And so. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and and we're, and we're in the battle. We're going to we're going to we're going to have to eat food and deal with one another. Right. So we're, we're going to have to have those conversations. and They're going to be uncomfortable conversations. We've been used to that. We've grown up with that. These new mm-hmm. these these new wave politicians are going to have to be willing to do the same. Yeah. And I would suggest I don't know that Brian Kemp will ever have an opportunity to listen to this episode. But if he is or anyone on his staff, you know what they should do. Just go to a black barbershop, Mr. Kemp, and get your hair cut. Yep. Yep. I, I mean, that's 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 a very practical. Yeah, it is. Step that you can take 
Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, it go is. to a black barbershop over there near Morehouse College somewhere and get your haircut. Mm-hmm. And, and just sit down for three, four hours. Yep. And, and just talk with the with the barbers over there, with the customers yep. who are in the shop. Because yep. you, you, it's like you just said, you're going to have to have these conversations. Yep. You have to have these conversations. And again, to, to your earlier comment, I hope folks don't get the understanding here after listening to this episode that this is about uh, which side with respect to party affiliation we've right. we come down on. Right. This is about worldviews. Mm. We, we, we are in, listen, ethnicity, political affiliation aside, throw that out the window. What we're seeing ultimately here, what this is about at its most fundamental level is as, especially as it relates to me as a resident and voter in Georgia, mm-hmm. what worldview to what worldview does Stacey Abrams subscribe right. versus to what worldview as contra- contrasted with what worldview Brian Kemp subscribed to mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as a Christian, first and foremost, as I said earlier, one of those worldviews didn't pass the scripture test. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. And that's always where I'm going to come down on. I'm going to come down on the side of the positions of the candidate that passes the test of scripture. Mm-hmm. Now, listen, if, if you're, if you're a, a, a one, someone seeking office and you want my vote, if you support abortion, forget it. Right. Forget it. Don't even talk to me. Don't even talk to me, okay? If you want to raise my taxes, don't talk to me. Right. If you don't want to give me as a parent the right to send my child to the school of my choice, don't talk to me. Right. Okay? So this is a, this is a matter, this is a question of worldviews. This is a question of ideology. Do I align with the worldview to which you subscribe? Mm-hmm. Yes or no? How mm-hmm. you answer that question is going to be is is going to have huge influence on whether I support your candidacy for office. It's the same reason, same rationale I employed with why I did not and could not support Barack Obama. Absolutely mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. There's no way. So if you don't pass the scripture test, you know I'm sorry. Right. Sorry, not sorry, but <laughs> right, right. Well, as as we wrap, man, I want to encourage folks if they haven't had a chance uh, to get on uh, justthinking.me uh, and check out the full article, uh, Minds of Black Folk, and uh, check it out, read it, walk through it, walk through you know some of the the uh, biblical argumentation uh, that Daryl provides for the position uh, that, that, that he's advocating, which much of which he covered here uh, on, on this episode, he does so in great detail uh, in the blog article uh, be, be something that I, I would encourage you to read. And then I'd encourage you to share it. I, I think that this, that articles like this are part of uh, a part of that movement that blacks it, that, that, that opportunity for people to begin to just think for themselves. Anything you want to add as we wrap up, Daryl? Yeah, I want to wrap up uh, Omaha, if I can. I want to wrap up with a quote from uh, my man, Booker T. Washington. Mm -hmm. Booker T. Washington once said that no race can prosper till it learns that there is as much dignity in tilling a field as in writing a poem. 
Mm. No race can proper prosper rather. No race can prosper till it learns that there is as much dignity in tilling a field as in writing a poem. Now, why do I quote Washington there? <clears throat> I quote him because when you look at someone like uh, Stacey Abrams, who believes that government is the answer to the problems and the ills that face the black community today, mm-hmm. you look at what Washington and the worldview that he had, a man who never felt what a mattress felt like to sleep on until he was eight years old, mm-hmm. who slept up until then on a dirt floor, who hitchhiked his way from Georgia into Virginia, mm-hmm. whose college entrance exam at Hampton was to scrub down a classroom, which he did three times to make sure it was so clean that the person who inspected it would have to admit him in the college. The reason I quote Washington there is because blacks, black voters, I think they are, there, there, there is a, a momentum swing here to where they are going back to fundamental basic principles. One of them is hard work. Yeah, man. Come on, man. Come on. One of them is hard work. What's what someone like Abrams and the Democrats would have us believe is that if you have to take a, a job at McDonald's, that's not good enough. Mm. That's not good enough. If you have to take a job as a sanitation worker, that's not good enough. If you have to take a job at a Walmart, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. But the biblical work ethic, right, is what? That if you're able to work, you should work. Right. You should work. Government has been the problem for black communities, not the answer. Mm -hmm. Government has been the problem. Mm -hmm. The worst thing to happen to black Americans was the new deal. Yes, it was. Was the new deal, Mm -hmm. which was built upon by president Johnson in the sixties, which, 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 open the door to all of these government entitlement programs that have decimated the black communities. Prior to that, black marriage rates were high, divorce rates were low, black unemployment was low. um, uh, Single motherhood uh, was low. Single motherhood was low. Mm -hmm. Black graduation rates were high. Mm -hmm. I mean, listen, government is not the answer. And I think this sort of shift, if I could use that word towards a more, conservative voting black voting electorate has a lot to do with the fact that there's this sort of new appreciation for basic societal ethics. One of them is work, obeying the law, uh, getting married before you have children. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Getting graduating from school, not dropping out, Mm -hmm. uh, getting a job, Earning a living, and I think a lot of this is what is is why I admire uh, Booker T. Washington so much. So if you you've not read his uh, autobiography, Up from Slavery, mm-hmm. uh, 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 matter of fact, someone needs to write a, a, another version of that. Uh, I call it Up from Ide- Ideological Slavery, right? For what we're, what we're <laughs> right. Today. right. But uh, but anyway, I just want to close with that. Uh, and, and again, this is not about political affiliation. This is about what worldview. This is about worldview. Absolutely. It's going to win out. 
Exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, man, as we close, as we always do, we want to thank our listeners for tuning in, for checking in with us. We so appreciate you all. Appreciate your feedback. Appreciate your your well wishes, the emails, the tweets, uh, the Facebook posts. We definitely, definitely appreciate it a bunch. We definitely uh, solicit your prayers as well as we continue on, as Daryl's making tremendous uh, transitions and, and, and the like, man, we'll continue to pray for him as well. Uh, until next time, check back in with us on the Just Thinking broadcast.